We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KC Sports Network. I'm BJ Kissel, founder of KCSN and former Chiefs insider and sideline reporter. And it's Tuesday, which means we're going to be joined by The Athletic's Nate Taylor for our five burning questions following the Chiefs' impressive win over the 49ers last Sunday. And coming to us still from the West Coast is Nate Taylor from The Athletic. Nate. How is it going? How is the view from Levi Stadium of that beautiful beatdown that we saw the Chiefs put on the Niners? <laughs> oh, that's a that's a gorgeous way of putting it, BJ. It was um, it was captivating. Um, oh. I think you know, and and I wrote about it a little in my story in the Athletic, but just I think Niner fans were really energized by seeing Christian McCaffrey um, in a 49ers uniform, seeing Joe Montana and Jerry Rice in the building. Um, and then you're up 10 nothing, And this happens to a lot of NFL fan bases and teams where you go, ah, this is the week. We got them. We were, we were prepared. Yeah. We got the turnover early. We're up 10 nothing. BJ, people left the stadium wearing Niners attire midway through the fourth quarter. Like, I don't know if there's another team in the league that can sort of produce that level of of like about faceness, the idea of like, all right, we, we, you know, we're, we're basically starting the second quarter at a disadvantage and then we're pushing, we're, we're actually asking the other team's fans to, to do something else. <laughs> so they don't see the final, the final snaps. It's, 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 um, it's remarkable. There's really no other team in the NFL. I think quite like this, um, but for the chiefs to do it this particular way, heading into a bye week, in sunny California, um, this is probably going to be one of the more memorable games of the season, um, yeah. just because it was coming off the Buffalo loss. And now you you have a better idea as to what to expect from this team when they're when they're executing, when they're focused, and when they don't just make mistakes. Um, yeah. You know, against a against a team that I think still has a very good chance of making the postseason themselves in the 49ers, largely because the AFC West is a bit um, untenuous right now even with the trade for Christian McCaffrey. 
There's so many great stats that come out of these games, and we talked about it over the last couple of days, but the stat of Patrick Mahomes' winning percentage went down by 10 points, being (laughs) second best in the NFL overall for everybody else. You spot him 10 points, he's still better than your quarterback. He's still better than Mm -hmm. your team. The stats are are unbelievable. Chiefs PR staff, Ted, Brad, and Sidney, and Luke, and the whole crew, uh, they have their work cut out for them every week, coming up with these records and stats and all these things that are going on. But, Nate, for somebody obviously who's there uh, in the locker room talking with the coaches and players all the time, who give me like a your favorite moment from being there on Sunday that maybe for those of us that are sitting at home watching on TV uh, didn't get to see? Yeah, so it's, you know, it's not the first game and it's not the last game of the season. So you you have to sort of, treat these things like chapters in a book right and we don't know how the story is going to end of course because obviously they still got 10 games up to the regular season and obviously whatever their postseason run is um so you you don't want to get too high necessarily but I just thought this game especially coming off the bills because you can't play that team again unless it's the postseason so really if they're your biggest threat in the AFC much of the rest of the season is about how much can you improve between when you first saw the Bills and potentially when you might see them again in the postseason. Your first chance to show improvement is the next game. It's the San Francisco mm-hmm. 49ers, who are, again, were the top-ranked defense in yards allowed, you know, per game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a offense that was getting healthier with Trent Williams being back, with Christian McCaffrey into the fold. They were getting a little bit more dynamic. It wasn't just going to be all Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Um, sometimes you go into the locker room and you only want to ask guys one question because it is relevant to each guy you ask it to who plays the game. And so the question I basically asked as you go around and there's guys that are, you know, really happy and there's guys that are getting extra treatment, right? Like I think I saw Jack McKinnon getting treatment from the training staff, Nick Bolton, you know, Hey, even though I just played this game and had a relatively good day, like, I, I just want to make sure my body's right going into the bye week. What do I need to do now after feeling, you know, something in my midsection? Um, you know, there's Frank Clark, who's just, like, happy, but also, like, still in game mode, uh, which I – and I kind of love those players because it's like there is no such thing as a 10-minute cool down. Like, I just, I just played football, and, like, I'm really happy and, like, still kind of, like – in like game face mode after even a dominant win where he was obviously a major contribution towards that victory. But I just asked guys like, Hey, where do you feel like you showed most improvement today? Whether you individually or you as a team. And the reason why you ask that question is because you kind of have an idea that they're going to have different answers. It can't be one answer for everything. So for a guy like Joshua Williams, it's, Hey, I actually took what I learned in the first, you know, as a first time starter last week. And I, I played better. I kept my eyes toward the ball and I made an interception. Um, I I love Creed Humphrey's answer to me, which was, I think the first quote I put in the story, but just like we were physical and we finished plays. And that's what we didn't show a week ago against the Buffalo Bills to the way that they would have liked. Um, And then of course, Patrick Mahomes just says like, this tells me that we can get better and better as the season goes along, which again is yeah. kind of what the rest of these 10 games are. Obviously you want to win your division. You want to obviously get as best of a spot in the AFC playoffs as you can, but it's, it's really about improvement to make sure that you are at your best um, in January. And it's a journey to, to get there. So I just thought, you know, whether it's Isaiah Pacheco, 
you know, I don't know if I believe in BJ, but Isaiah being like, I took the kickoff and they were like, stay on the field. And I was like, no one told you you were starting? And uh, he was like, no. <laughs> I was like, well, we all knew this. I mean, I had the sense to prove why such a move was, was, was relevant or maybe um, something that you could go to. Um, but even him saying like, hey, again, patience, making that first guy miss, moving forward. Um, you know, for a lot of guys on the team, it was just not only was it good to win, but we were better in that game, despite being down 10 points. Yeah. And we were in the home loss of the Buffalo Bills. I, I love we talk about improvement in Patrick Mahomes and what this offense can do, because I feel like in a lot of ways they've spoiled us because mm. they go out and there have been gripes, you know, about the Chiefs offense this year, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the running game, the receivers getting separation versus man coverage, all things that we've talked about and everyone talks yeah. about it because it's relative to what we think they can do. And the whole time <laughs> they've still been the number one scoring offense yeah. in the NFL. It's like how spoiled are we that we're sitting here talking about all these changes and all these things that mm-hmm. have to get done. Um, I was really hoping that you would have been there for Frank Clark. And I'm going to tell anybody that's listening to this with children around, go ahead, earmuffs, go ahead and put them on him because I love Frank Clark so much after games because they asked him like, I don't know what the question was, but his answer was something to the effect of, yeah, they were talking all that shit. We just beat the ass. <laughs> like yep. it's just, he tells yep. you exactly what, you know, players are thinking. He just actually mm-hmm. says it a lot of yeah. the time, but uh, gotta love Frank post game after wins like that. Uh, always telling it how it is but nate let's get into the to the five burning questions here as we're eight minutes into the show and we haven't even started the burning questions that i've got for you as you're sitting in uh sitting out there in san francisco so uh we've seen areas throughout the year so far the season on the defense areas that we were worried about whether it was pass rush mm-hmm. we knew the young defensive backs it was going to take some while uh yep. for them to be you know to, to get up to speed to get that experience guys like josh williams like you were just talking about uh and then we just talked about number one offense in the nfl so a week before the trade deadline mm-hmm. do you think the chiefs need to make a move to go and win a super bowl on the defensive side of the ball either side do you think that there either is an side. area that they have okay. to address not that they're going to or not that it would lead to it but do you think they need to make mm-hmm. one to win a super bowl I, I love I love how you phrase it. Like, do they have to? Because yeah. that is the question I think that'll be really discussed between now and the deadline. On you know, basically it's it's Halloween, folks, um, yeah. because you have to put it in, and the league has to be aware of it the next day on on November first. I want to say yes, and this might be a bit of. Um, recency bias to some degree, right? Um, could the Rams have won a Super Bowl without Dell Beckham Jr. and Von Miller? Maybe, you know, if everything falls right. You know, I, I still have, you know, I mean, Aaron Donald at times was, was just yeah. a video game in terms of dominance last year. Uh, and look, Cooper Cup was open all the time. But it did help to have another weapon alongside Cooper Cup and another pass rusher alongside Aaron Donald. Um, I don't know if the Chiefs will make two moves similar to that, obviously. Yeah. Um, But I do get the sense that to win a Super Bowl, to maybe be that, to maybe just really get the Bills another time to prevent Mm -hmm. them from another Super Bowl, um, you might need another pass rusher. And that's asking a lot. Um, 
Carolina, and we've talked about this before, BJ, they have they have most of the leverage right now. That might change yep. as we get closer to the actual deadline, uh, which I believe is 3 o'clock Central Time on November 1st. But, yeah, I think they could probably use another pass rusher. Um, that would that would lessen the role um, and would probably in your, your, your prop bet. Sorry, BJ. It would probably end <laughs> any chance for George Kaloftis to, 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 get on a, to get on a streak. After the bye week, he just needs um, to average one sack a game for the rest of the year. It'll for be the fine. rest of the season, that's all. You know, you know him, Jared Allen, Derek Thomas. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, two one of those guys. It was wasn't his game. best game against San Francisco, but I don't think anybody's disappointed so far from what we've seen for no. Loftus. In fairness, but no. yeah, right. I did put some some big expectations on him, so I'll wear that. But yeah, and then um, you know, I think some of the. Carlos Dunlap is so smart and he's so tall that yeah. like he could still matter. But I think he, you know, it's like his burst in production has slightly dipped while Frank Clark's has sort of incrementally risen as the seasons yeah. went along. Um, but if they could get another one in there, and maybe it's on the interior, like I like I think yeah. Carlos Saunders is playing fine. Derek Nadia is who he is. Obviously, Chris Jones is like the center of all of this. Yeah. But if they can get somebody who can rotate inside and outside, or if it's just hey. If you don't think the Chiefs will give up a first round pick for Brian Burns, then the question becomes: Are you comfortable with a second? Are you, you know, are you comfortable with a third? Um, some people were asking me yesterday, BJ, like, okay, so when the Bears lose tonight, <laughs> when could you start calling about you know their uh, eligible, yeah. you know, on the trade block pass rusher? Because Robert Quinn's the one to me that that mm-hmm. makes the most sense. Most Brian sense. Burns, and and not to jump in, Brian Burns no, to no, me doesn't ahead. make. Brian Burns doesn't make a ton of sense to me just because you have to give up so many valuable assets. And I'm talking high draft picks, whether it's a first mm-hmm. round, they're talking about two first, that's not going to happen. But right. even if you have to give up like a two <laughs> and a four, mm-hmm. you give that up, not for a player for a year and a half. Like that is not a, that is not an even trade. So you have to extend that player and mm-hmm. you do not know how that player fits into your culture. You do not know his work habits unless you, again, I've been saying this before, unless you know, or have a coach that has worked with him in the past or really knows mm-hmm. the player well and is willing to vouch for him to give up draft picks plus a lot of money, it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to me. But a Robert Quinn for a late pick, kind of like what James Robinson and just happened with the between the Jets and the, the Jaguars, yep. like that kind of mm-hmm. deal, like that makes sense to me. Going after a, uh, we say marquee player, Brian Burns is a great player. He's never had more than nine sacks in a season. So to all of a sudden think you're trading for Vaughn Miller or TJ Watt is not going to be the case, but a, but like Terrell Suggs, like that move was during mm-hmm. the Super Bowl yeah. winning year. That's a Robert Quinn type move. That makes a lot more sense to me than the big ones. Do I think they have to make it? No. But do I think Turk Wharton being injured when you all of a sudden you bring up Taylor Stallworth from the practice squad, and he could be a fine player, but adding Robert Quinn in that place instead improves yeah. your pass rush and bringing down a player like Josh Allen on the one or two plays that you need him to make that difference. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's perfectly said. Um, I agree with it. Um, are you willing to give up the compensatory third round pick for Robert Quinn if that's as high as you have to go? You know, yeah. that might be a discussion worth having. Um, over the next week. So, yeah, I mean, um, to win a Super Bowl, I think, yes. Yeah. Does that mean they will trade for somebody <laughs> at the deadline? Not necessarily. Um, because as much as fans get into the moment, and it's totally understandable, you know, Brett Beach, 
Mike Bradway, Mike Braganzi, Chris Shea, Brent Tillis, they all have to think not just this season, but obviously the year after that and the year yeah. after that. They're working on kind of these two-and-a-half, three-year plans because um, there's a lot of money that's going to be put into the salary cap based on Amazon just existing, and um, as I it, like to say. It's almost like you knew my next question. Because that just <laughs> takes us perfectly into this. And and we talked, you know, last couple of days about the game against the Niners. And we'll, there'll still be some more content on KCSN about that. But while we're going into the bye week and while I have you and why you perfectly set that up, because we're in the bye week, let's talk a little future. Uh, and we talk about that brain trust with Brant and Chris and all those guys behind the scenes who really set this thing up nicely. You look at the draft class that the Chiefs just had this past year. Beautiful. A lot of starters on rookie deals. You got a lot of money with the cap. Uh, extending the way that you're talking about. So let's look at some pending free agents going into the season on who may get extended, if anyone, mm -hmm. during the season. And I'm going to list off, and I'm just dropping this on Nate. So uh, yep. I'm going to do it very no slowly idea. so you get some time. He has no idea what's coming. <laughs> so here are seven pending free agents. Seven, and, okay. Yeah. And you just – a couple of them are going to jump out to you and be like, ooh, that could be a guy that we can extend. And it, it's not you know, your proclamation on who they're going to extend or who they wouldn't. But if, if you were making the decision or who would you not be surprised if they get extended during the season? I'm, I'm saying the first one is not going to happen, but Orlando Brown Jr. We know that he's going to be a free agent. He's on the franchise tag right now. You've also got Juju yes. Smith-Schuster, which Matty Lane, our guy on the postgame so said, extend him now. Just don't let him get on the plane until you pay him some more money. <laughs> Then you've got um, a couple of the interior defensive linemen, Derek Noddy, Colin Saunders. Uh -huh. Then you've got Rashad Fenton, who hopefully is coming back from injury. Coach said mm -hmm. sounds like post game that he should be back after the the bye week. McCole yeah. Hardman. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the big name to me. And in, Juan Thornhill. In particular, after, in particular after this uh, last game's like his performance in the last game. Um, and Juan Thornhill. Okay, I'm gonna go a lot of guys. It's yep. a lot of guys, and so. All, all the time when it gets fun to do this, especially if like your team wins the Super Bowl, which happened recently, it's like, well, we got to bring everybody back. You just got, you just got to extend everybody. Um, yeah. When you have any list of free agents or pending free agents, half of them are already out the door. That's just the way the league works. Um, and most of the time, it might be more than half. So we're thinking three to four right now as I sort of frame this. You know, I think the Chiefs had something like 22 free agents. Um, maybe seven of them came back, you know, based on what their status was going into the new league year in March. And now obviously where they with the team in St. Joseph for training camp. Yep. So, again, that's that's less than half. Um, and, and it's funny to go through this thought process because I really haven't done it since the offseason. But with seven games of, of sampling right now, uh, I would think that Juan Thornhill – Based on his availability and just staying healthy, and we mm -hmm. need to see it moving forward, I think Colin Saunders mm -hmm. is a eligible player to be, you know, re-signed because he's he's actually played a very underrated role pretty well yeah. um, next to Chris Jones. Orlando Brown will probably be franchise tag. Let's just let's just say it, like. Unless he has a absolutely dominant December, January, and a Mitchell Schwartz-like Super Bowl, yeah, it would be hard to see them not saying that. Hey, this year's or excuse me, twenty twenty three's 
franchise tag is not that different from 2022s. Do you offer uh, him the same deal if you're the Chiefs based on what we've seen this year? Do you well, put the same all- deal on the table or do you go less knowing you're really going to piss him off if you offer less than he did last year because of what we've seen so far this year? Right. And so this is what agents will tell you. We want to put the number out there as quickly as possible if we don't agree to anything. And this is just agents in general, just because yeah. now we have a reference point, not for just the player himself, but the position overall. And the yeah. Chiefs are a contending team, so not everybody in the league knows how they would have structured or framed it up at the time, which means right. we can build off of that. And if you give us anything less, as you mentioned, BJ, mm-hmm. now now we have a now we have a reason to be irate because the public knows. Even if the yeah. player is slightly diminished or he isn't as good as he was the year before, like we just want to know because now it's incumbent upon you to like, you know from the agent's perspective, be fair to my client, to the, you know, to the way, you know, we, Hey, Hey, he, he played on the franchise tag. In fact, he was reliable, you know, consistent, however you want to, you know, you know, present it to the other side. And then it's to the team to say, well, (laughs) one year could be different from the next. And this is our cap situation now. And this is where we feel like the player is. And, you know, now we have more information about the player because he played more games for us, you know? And so (laughs) it's a, it's a great back and forth. Um, but you, but I'm glad you you asked that. Just like, hey, if they give, if they offer him less than what happened a year ago, think about that in your life. Man. Yeah, in your life, sir. If if your employer was like, hey, see, you got a little bump, you got a little nice bump last year. It, it was under a one year sort of. Let's see you prove it. But hey, it was more money than what you had made earlier in your career. Now we want to take some of that money back. Yeah. So you made a bet. We made a bet. And so far, we we might be on the better end of this one. We don't like that bet anymore. (laughs) Uh, um, So, yes, I think Orlando Brown will be franchise tagged again. Unless something crazy happens. Man. um, Here, here, I'll give you my thought process. I know I just surprised you on this. and I I didn't spend a ton of time studying. I don't have a bunch of research or anything. But for me... I like the idea of keeping Thornhill. There's a lot of young guys in the defensive backfield. They even going back to training camp, you would know, cause I was reading a lot of your reports. Mm-hmm. They were pointing to Juan as being the guy that could help them. And Justin yeah. Reed also mm-hmm. that you've already, the roster composition of how much money you're spending in different positional yep. groups. You could spend some money on a guy like Juan Thornhill that the young guys in that room look up to. And that stuff mm-hmm. matters. And you know that more than anyone being there every day. And Juan is a guy that you give him money. I don't think he's going to change him a whole lot. He's, he, He's going to do the right things. He's going to be a leader in that room. And same thing with Juju. I think Juju has already shown he's exactly what you wanted him to be. So of those guys, those two make sense. Colin Saunders makes sense to me because he's young, wasn't drafted super high, still young enough. You can give him a two or three year deal without a ton of money. Make him earn it. Yeah, I would pick Colin Saunders right now over Derek Naughton. Yeah. So um, knowing that you could obviously draft that position too, Depending on what that what the draft class is in April to supplement that sort of him leaving, uh, if that is what's going to happen, um, with Juju Smith Schuster, because Justin Watson's side. a free agent, McCole Hardman's yes. a free agent, yeah. so right now I'll probably screw mm-hmm. this up because I'm doing it off the top of my head. But you've got Sky Moore and MVS as your receivers under contract. Yep. After this and year, and I'd give Juju mm-hmm. some money, and I think mm-hmm. he likes it here. 
he's putting up some numbers. Mm-hmm. He's got his video games. They're killing it. So, right. you know, our, our, our good friend Seth Kaiser has officially announced him as the Chiefs number one receiver uh, oh. after after Sunday's game. So, you know, uh, now Juju has been on one year deals basically the last three years, the last year of his rookie contract, one-year deal with Pittsburgh, and obviously a one-year deal with Kansas City. It's going to take a lot for him to sign (laughs) something past one year, but maybe he's found the right situation with Mahomes and Andy Reid. You know the Chiefs have wanted him for a couple years now. Could you get him on a two-year deal? He's 25 Um, years old. He's 25, so you could give him a two, maybe three-year deal, a two-year deal with that third-year option, however they structure that, and then he can make a decision that – 27 to go get another big mm-hmm. deal yep um and, and look the deal would have to suggest that like this is legitimate starter starting nfl receiver money which right mm-hmm. now he's not making he's on a right. one-year deal which is not like it, it was always weird to me it was like how are not other teams like bidding for him or maybe he just made it very clear um that hey i want a one-year deal i kind of want to see where things are and then i, I think you do smart enough to realize that yes the cap will go up so maybe you can yep. take a bigger bite if you're in a patrick mahomes offense and things do go well and obviously teams get to see you on prime time who knows yep. maybe even in the super bowl do well um maybe that could uh boost your status um when you go back on the on the market but yeah this might be a case where you come to juju maybe not right now um but you give him the full season and say okay Juju it's Christmas and we'd like to give you a Christmas gift of a two-year contract um you know because I think the front office is smart enough to know that you know hey this game right now is pretty much built on quarterbacks receivers and offensive line when it comes to offensive football um so letting him get to free agency makes things much more difficult um Mm -hmm. and it's totally understandable as to why you would want him for at least another year or two. Um, and of course, if that happens, then that complicates the situation with McCole Hardman because I don't know what to do with McCole Hardman. I think McCole Hardman fits this offense very, very well. He is also relatively young. He is also really fast. Are you willing to invest in that long-term with a three-year deal? Um, so then it would become what you have right now for the next two to three years, which is obviously Sky, MBS, Juju, and McColl. Yeah. Um, McColl may, may want, like, legitimate, I'm out of my rookie contract money. And that's that's totally fine and understandable. Um, I just think you're going to, you know, his, his whole career in Kansas City is a bit fascinating just because he was a rookie who clearly showed promise. Mm-hmm. He showed he, he he showed more promise at this time, ladies and gentlemen, than Sky Moore has. Just just want to make that clear as a rookie. That question's games. coming later, Nate. We're not going to talk about Sky till okay. the fifth burning okay. question. Okay. I'm just I'm just I'm just saying <laughs> through seven games. Yeah, that's fair. But Cole Hartman was better, or at least more productive um, than Sky Moore is right now. Um, he was a part of that Super Bowl winning team. Um, he didn't have as big of a role in year two and year three. He always says that part of that is, you know, Tyreek Hill, which is, okay, sure, but Cole. And then year four, it's, you know, unfortunately he has this heel injury, but he has shown, yeah. you know, toughness and durability um, and, and being just a good teammate. And now he got rewarded yesterday with, you know, his best individual game of his career. And so he's had a very, like, interesting, you know, last year of his rookie contract, uh, a contract year. 
Um, yeah. But we need to see how these last 10 games go. Um, but I think the monkey wrench in, in this exercise is McCall Harmon because you can go either way. Yeah. And I can understand why you would why you would make that decision. Yeah, the money would be fascinating to figure out how they mm-hmm. how the, each of them would value um, what the Chiefs would value he means to them and what McCole thinks his value would be uh, in this scenario. But um, we know with Juju that Seth called him the number one receiver, whatever you want to call it. He is a trusted mm-hmm. person on third down. You throw right. him. Uh, one of the things I love about him, he gets the ball two yards short, short of the first down. Doesn't matter first down, second down. He's getting a first down. He knows where the sticks are. He play, His spatial awareness when he's on the field is is very, very good. And um, you can make every play just like we've seen from Juju as exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook. Nate, the official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can bet any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, Nate, moving on to the third burning question. That one, uh, number two, was a tough one. I know I surprised you on that. and Probably not a lot of time you're spending right now thinking of free agents and extensions and all that stuff, all that off-season stuff. But uh, third one, a little bit easier for you. What's been the most surprising aspect of this Chiefs team through the first seven games? What's been pleasantly um, surprising to you from the Chiefs Ooh, sitting here at five and two? Okay, yeah. pleasant, pleasantly surprised. It would be the it would be the it would be the young DBs. Like I just yeah. <laughs> I can't get over how hard it is to play DB in this league. And we aren't um, talking McDuffie, which is amazing right, even of itself. Right. And we're not right. talking about the first pick. It's 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 honestly um it is worthy of praise for Dave Merritt and the players. You know, Jalen Watson, like he's basically become um I'm saying this in the nicest way, but he's not noticeable on the field as a seventh round rookie. They're just like, oh, he's on the field. Like people are more upset that Chris Lamont gave up a reception yesterday than anything Jalen Watson did. Uh, you know, Joshua Williams, you know, pretty much being put to the test and, you know, responding in, in the correct way, you know, even for a guy that had not really played high division one football. He's coming from a division two school at HBCU. Um, it's quite the, it's quite the jump in talent level um, and the demands yep. on you um, between games during the week. I just, it's, um, you know, Brad Cook has been really, really serviceable. Just, yeah. hey, do you notice him? Because <clears throat> he's not doing Dan Sorensen things from last season. Um, it's, it's just remarkable. And, yes, everybody understands that Trick McDuffie, he basically has to come back. Um for this next game because you get that three-week window when you come back from short-term IR. Um, You know, he's got the hips, the foot fluidity to play man and zone. You know, Mm -hmm. I've sort of predicted that, hey, maybe the Chiefs can be even more complex with their cover scheme because McDuffie is so versatile where obviously Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams is like, this is the principles of what we do. You're tall, press man coverage. Make sure you get your eyes looking the right way. Um, 
You think Steve but Spagnuolo could be even more aggressive? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <When> he gets, <laughs> he's already sending the owls all the time. All the and time. now, you know what? I mean, feel even more comfortable. We're going to blitz. Yeah. We're going to cover zero 60% of the time. Just put him on an island even more. If Trip McDuffie plays against the <laughs> Tennessee Titans on November 6th and has a very good first half, you better believe they're going to be on that chalkboard <laughs> saying, where can we go next in the third quarter to get to to get to the, the quarterback? So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Legereus need is just good. Yeah. He's just really, really good. And I know he's not on his rookie deal ending, but you might want to consider him sooner rather than later, too. The um, more expensive, they, the longer you wait. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. – it was fascinating to me that Kyle Shanahan was like, oh, we're just going to scheme these things up to beat the nickel cornerback with Debo Samuel. And the Chiefs are like, you know he's like our best tackler in the secondary, right? Like, like, like no shade to just read. Uh, obviously, Juan Thornhill is, is – they're both – they are two capable guys in terms of tackling, yep. making sure that a big play doesn't become worse, which was a bit of an issue, and you're even seeing it with New Orleans now with, with Tyron Matthew. Um, but Juan – like Juan Thornhill is, is is doing his thing in the back end, being that leader, knowing the scheme better and disseminating it down to the young guys or, or making it relatable, I should say. Um, obviously Justin Reed's been, you know, what you have what you've asked for. You didn't give him top, top, top safety money, but you gave him like legitimate safety money and he's been very good so far. Um, yep. the only thing the only thing that you can ask for from the secondary is what they did yesterday, which is just get more interceptions. Um, now, as we said last week, if they didn't get an interception against Jimmy Garoppolo, I was going to be really concerned. They got two of them. <laughs> so we know they're capable uh, yeah. if the opportunities present themselves. But, yeah, I just think LeJay Sneed being like, oh, yeah, Debo Samuel, cool, that's fine. I'll tackle him. He breaks all the yeah. tackles, not mine. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, They just got done facing Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs yeah. and Devontae Adams. And, yeah, they're like, you know what? There's a dude on every team. Same thing with edge rushers. There's always a dude. There's always a guy. Yep. Uh, let's move on to the fourth one, Nate, and it's the flip side of this. What's been the most concerning aspect of this team through the first seven games? I thought the offensive line was going to be consistent, BJ. I thought the offensive mm-hmm. line was going to be out here dominating people week in, week out. Now it's just a hot potato game of <laughs> can they be good this week? And I, and I mean relatively, like, can they be dominant, right? They've shown it against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They showed it really yesterday in a more creative way against the 49ers. Just ask Nick Bosa how he's feeling. Nick Bosa don't even feel sore, y'all, because he couldn't find the ball. And it was just <laughs> it was just a creative game plan where it's like, hey, you think we're going to block you? We're not. Hey, you, you think you're upfield and you're going to make a play? There goes McCall Hartman right by you. Hey, uh, chasing Patrick Mahomes is hard enough, you know. Now they got – you know, spread outs and, and, and sprint outs. And I mean, what, like, I can't, like, I haven't, I should look the statistic up. I don't know how many tackles Nick Bosa had, but I imagine the dude, dude didn't need an ice bath. Didn't need one. The broadcast kept showing him coming off the field, just shaking his head. Yeah. <laughs> just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so uh, there's, so go, go ahead. Nick Bosa had four tackles. Four tackles. They were probably all in the run game. Oh, you know, when they went straight ahead. Because they actually ran the ball. They chased it down was. from the backside. I guess all these yeah, two or three yeah, times or, where they ran away from him and he's chased it down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, mostly in the run game, which is fine because he's still a very, very good player. Um, but, look, I thought this offensive line was going to be great. Um, 
and greatness is not three out of seven games, uh, you know, and they are all together. Um, the bye week will help them because obviously they'll get um, some needed rest. We'll see what's going on with Orlando Brown. Like if his knee um, is not an issue, yeah. you know, coming off the bye week because he gets a little bit more time to rest and get more treatment on it. You know, Trey Smith has had the pectoral muscle. Um, you know, I thought he played much better than the previous week against the Buffalo Bills. You know, Joe Tooney, um, I used to call him just a robot last season because the technique was so clean. It was like, oh, like this is this is sickening for a left guard to be this good all the time, no matter who is on the other side of the field. And then, of course, you know, it's understandable for Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith to have a little bit um, of some growing pains in year two because they were just so excellent in year one. Um, but, yeah, like they were great against Arizona. They were dominant against uh, Tampa Bay, and they were excellent against the 49ers. In stretches against the Chargers and the Raiders, they did just enough to help the offense remain powerful. I just – we'll see where it goes in 10 weeks, and maybe they'll make adjustments to the adjustments that teams presented them early in the season. But I thought the, I thought the offensive line was going to be, like, world-class good. And they're just good right now. And, and there's yeah. a difference that they could reach uh, as they move forward. Fair enough. And I thought the, besides a couple of plays, I thought the offensive line did a great job against the Niners. I think Mahomes did a great job of staying within the scheme and staying yes. in the pocket. You know, we, Mahomes has de- deserved and had his fair share of criticism over the years of kind of drifting out of the pocket. And all of a sudden he's 13 yards deep and everyone's trashing the <laughs> offensive line. It's like, that ain't the offensive line. <laughs> like, they can't stop a guy from running in a straight line, basically. Um, right. To sack the quarterback. But, uh, fifth burning question. I, I teased this one earlier, but how concerned should we be with Sky Moore returning punts? Because Very. not like he's done this in college. Like it's not like he's shown throughout his career. Like oh, he just made a couple mistakes. This guy's not comfortable back there right now. I mean, at what point? I know Coach Reed said the right things, and he's our guy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that McColl might not be back there against the Titans mm-hmm. um, at mm-hmm. some point. And we've talked about giving grace to Sky Moore because. Now we're sitting here talking about, well, we want McColl back there. McColl had some of the same issues that he kept not catching it and letting it bouncing, and it was driving <laughs> Dave Tobe crazy. And so what's the answer? Like, what is – do you expect him to still be out there against the Titans when they when they go out on Sunday night football? And if not, is McColl the next guy? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool because you're like, how do we simplify it for the rookie? How do we make it to where he can start to have confidence and have – productive play after play after play not not mm-hmm. this hey he did really well on this one snap on offense and yes we, we've seen uh the blunders on special teams um here's the thing bj the punting in the nfl has gotten better this ain't you ain't catching punts from a high schooler uh, you know he was in the mac last year i don't know if he took it he didn't take a ton of punts back but these punters are better than the punters in the Mac conference. Uh, it's interesting to me that both of these muffs occurred on the road um, and that they occurred with his back to the end zone. So he clearly knows the worst case scenario and, he, and he's had um, either some technical issues or his eyes um, are sort of deceiving him in some ways as to how he judges the ball coming yeah. down. Teams see this on film. So, you know, the easiest way for teams to not continue to study it on film is to stop putting him out there or 
for him to go nowhere near the ball if his body is anywhere within the 10-yard line. Um, it's a copycat league. Teams study this for hours. They understand the game in, this, in the situation. That is why, if you rewatch the game, the 49ers, Hunter and Long Snapper, were as hyped as you could ever see those two players be in a game. Because guess what? We studied this on tape, and it occurred again in a very similar situation. And, and you know, unfortunately, Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't do what Matt Ryan could on third down in, in, in the red zone. But, you know, I think if McColl is fully healthy, you probably want to rely on him more. It's fascinating yeah. to me, too, that BJ on the punt after the safety, I believe it was McColl Hartman who took that return, not Sky Moore. So they may have already tipped their hand in some respects because the, the 49ers never punted in the second half because they, they either scored or they turned the football over. Yeah. Uh, or they were or they were sacked in the end zone. Um, it's okay. If, you, if you're going to say, hey, these are your formations, these are your packages, these are your routes, and if you want to simplify it that way for him, great. And then say, hey, we may come back to kick return or punt return a couple weeks from now. Just, just test it out or see it again, or we want to see you make progress in practice before we put you back in that spot. Um, yeah. But I think, so, it's, I think it's fair yeah. to ask McCall Hardman to be the, the leading punt returner. You know, there was times in training camp where Trent McDuffie took some of those reps, uh, but obviously with his hamstring injury, he's not been available for such. So even if Trent McDuffie were fully healthy, they may have went to Trent McDuffie for some yeah. of these games, you know, obviously being having to force to, to stick with Sky because of McCall's injury. Um, but those are the those are the three best <laughs> options from what Tobe sort of told us in training camp. Um, and I know Marcus Kemp is back on the roster. Um, yeah. And when when in doubt, let it go. Yeah, like, don't dive for it. it. It only makes it worse. And you could face a potential injury, too. I, I thought about that yesterday. Like, it is such a scramble and a mad dash for that ball once you muff it that yeah. you are you are more vulnerable than you would be on most NFL plays. That's a good point. That is a good point, something that we will watch for as uh, we get ready. I know that uh, maybe Jay Harris, uh, equipment guy for the Chiefs that punted at Missouri Western that's out there punting during practice, he might be working uh, some extra during yeah. this bye week, working on his endover uh, punts and all that good stuff, trying to get Sky um, more comfortable back there. Because now it's a mental thing at this point because he knows yeah. he's made some mistakes and uh, you don't want that to happen. So understand why Coach and everybody wants to um, say all the positive things. And, you know, he's done it in practice. Obviously, he's shown enough that – uh, he's done it at times, can physically do it, but got to do it when the adrenaline's kicked in and uh, right. you're in a stadium full of people screaming at you. So hopefully he gets comfortable or they figure it out because that is one area that you don't want to come up and bite you later in the season or even into the playoffs when everything's magnified even more. But mm -hmm. Nate, appreciate you, my guy, for joining us here. That's Nate Taylor from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter by Nate Taylor. You can find his work at The Athletic. Make sure to subscribe to that and listen to his podcast, Times Hours, with Seth and Josh and all of those good dudes over there. But we appreciate everybody for listening and tuning into this episode, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're, whether you're listening to the podcast. We appreciate your support of what we've got going on at KC Sports Network. We've got plenty more great content throughout the week covering the bye week for you with a lot of good Chiefs stuff. Uh, Matt Hamilton, Matt Cass will be breaking down the offense. Derek Johnson, Mike DeVito, Craig Stout will be breaking down the defense coming up here later in the week. But make sure to hit that subscribe button. We'll see you all next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com